This is the voice of Carnage, and you are listening to Carnage Cast. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Carnage Cast. I'm Tyler, and with me tonight are three returning guests. Starting from my left and going to the right, we have. Hi, I'm Dan. Toby. Hello, I'm Hunter. And we are four out of five or six people, depending on the point in time you're looking at, who have been playing through the Carrion Crown Adventure Path from four, the Pathfinder role-playing game from Paizo. Hunter's been our GM through this experience. I have. And uh, Dan, Toby, and myself are have been playing it. I have been playing an Inquisitor of Aomide, who is of indeterminate origin. Dan, uh, it, and uh, I should I should mention now we we uh, for those of you who are new to the show you should go back and listen, listen to episode thirty one where we covered the first chapter in the module the haunting of Harrowstone. We are now moving on to talking about uh, chapter two trial of the beast. Before we go any further into this, into this episode, be aware that spoilers will abound. And at this point in time, Dan, what were you playing? I was playing uh, Sir Horace Gunderson, a uh, fighter who I think at this point had already taken at least one rogue level. Yeah, you had already become disillusioned with your plan. It was like, nope, roguish. Yeah, more or less. Not entirely. He wanted to. Somebody needed to pick the locks. It seemed to fit him well. Mm-hmm. He was a bounder. Bit. I'm playing my summoner, Solus, who's typically accompanied by his Adelon Gia. Mm-hmm. And Solus was our token demi human. <laughs> yes, Solus is an elf. And uh, we had left off uh, wrapping up the haunted prison of Harrowstone in the village of Ravangro, and had left there to deliver books to the University of Lepidstadt, which was also Solus's uh, stomping grounds. Yes, my parents lived there. Yep, that was in Professor Lorimer's will. Professor Lorimer wanted you guys to deliver books to Lepidstadt a month after the uh, funeral. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had gone, we uh, left Ravangro, went along the road, traveled, met carnies, for lack of a better word, who were having some issues yep. with the missing girl. A traveling freak show. show. Mm-hmm. Well, we attempted to rescue the missing girl. Turns out she was dead and she'd been eaten by a phase spider, so we messed around with the phase spider for a while, but avenged mm-hmm. the missing child. The Korean folk were equal parts sad and glad. And we all moved on together through Lippestadt, smelling faintly of cabbage. <laughs> small hands. So we got to Lippitstadt, yeah, and we met Judge Deramid, I suppose, to return the books, and we learned that there had been goings-on at the university and elsewhere, that the university had been broken into. Did the judge tell us that, or did we find it out some other time? I think that was in addition to the news about the Beast of Lippitstadt had finally been captured. Yes, there was a huge um, wicker man being built in the middle of town, and lots of mob and hubbub. And we found out that it was because the beast of Lippidstadt was on trial and was sure to be found guilty and burnt. Because it's a horrible monster. Yeah. Horrible abomination against nature. That had finally been captured after years of haunting the the swampy morrows of Lippidstadt. And it had been caught when it stole the sea sage effigy? Is that when it was caught? Yes. It was was responsible for the break-in at Lippidstadt University and the... Rampant destruction of a um, display, and the one thing that was stolen was a sea sage effigy, a bizarre alien-like idol, worshipped by 
Pro tip, it's a Cthulhu hmm. statue. <laughs> <laughs> yes, right, that is correct. If you want to uh, get an image of what the Seasage effigy looks like, type in Cthulhu idol or statue. And this is foreshadowing for later events. Yes. That certainly seemed a bit weird, and Judge Dermid asked us to investigate the circumstances of the events for which the beast was being put on trial, no. uh, which were... Uh, murder of villagers in the swamps, murder of children in another village, and arson mm -hmm. in an asylum, and murder of some folks there yeah. before the theft of the effigy. This is when we met Andrus Krytov. Yes, Andrus yeah. yeah. uh, had already been hired by the judge, and she decided five was better than one. So... <laughs> Uh, with with four adventures in need of cash inflow, uh, there was no reason to say no. That's true. And and thus the Justice League Defense Force or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> junior, junior Justice Defense League. Yes. Because uh, Krytov alone was sort of a, a rustic, uh, swampy ranger who whose, ability, whose access to spells flickered back and forth for some time. That's true. He had a hard time deciding on whether he wanted to be a spellless ranger or not. In the end, he went spellless, and I think it's mostly paid off. Yeah. Yeah. He can smell things. Um, I don't know what else spellless rangers do. I think they get extra feats. It's double his movement hits, speed once per day. stuff. Oh, really? Yeah, he you gets know. the hunter's run or whatever Have you ever called. done that? Yeah. He's done it a few times. Works out pretty well for him. And Andrews is played by Jeff, who wasn't able to join us for this episode, but hopefully he'll join us for a future episode, and he can talk more about his character and what he thinks. Because he... Jeff is interesting in that... He plays Andrus is very Andrus is very impulsive, but Jeff himself is more, I think, analytical. Yeah, I yes. would say Jeff doesn't strike me as being personally an impulsive man. No, <laughs> Andrus, however, is quick to leap to decisions and has had his face burnt, melted, or sliced off more than once at this point. He's a marvelous meat shield. And yes, happy that's true. Sure he. Uh... <sighs> possesses those qualities. So anyway, so the, the Lippich uh, Junior Defense Force, or whatever these guys were calling themselves. Junior Justice Defenders, <laughs> as I recall. I, thought, I, thought I think the name has changed six or seven times. Um, it's been a work in progress. You guys all had the incredible pleasure of meeting Barrister Gustav Kappel. I love that who guy. Who is in charge of defending the Beast of Lippich from essentially what is going to be a mock trial. Um, the entire mob outside who's building a giant wicker man in Gustav, which to burn the beast. Gustav, bless him, is completely inept. So assigning the... A joke of a defense. This jo a joke of a defense to a creature unable to defend itself. I can't I can't bear to hear you guys maligning the Ustalavi and Perry Mason. <laughs> I mean, Gustav Kabel, towering legal mind. Yeah. <laughs> By towering, you mean crumbling. He's got a tallish wig. Sweat. It towers up. Oh, he's towering, but he's in a six-foot hole. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's terrible. Um, yeah, in he fact, is. I think I have the impression that the module intends for the players to do some stuff, do some stuff, do some stuff, then feed information to Gustav, who will then be forced to mount a decent defense. But we just, you know, said, hey, Gustav, fetch us some pickle coffee, and we'll take over from here. <laughs> yeah, book. tell us where to buy a wig and a robe. And we'll be on it. <laughs> the book specifically states that you, the players probably don't want Gustav Koppel to be the one talking in oh, the courtroom. Okay. Um, we but asked him if a none of, of the players want to do that, and none of the players feel like role-playing, or none of the players feel that their charismas are very high, 
Barrister Gutam. Okay, so we can Gustav we can Dumbledore. do a thing where you feed him information and he'll do it. Yep. We mm-hmm. asked him a number of questions about what he'd prepared for defense, and he mostly just dropped papers everywhere. So <laughs> yes. it seemed that we needed to take matters into our own hands. So the trial was to commence in the morning, and each event was going to take place on a separate day. So in effect, we had a single day to investigate each event for which the beast had been accused. This book kept you moving. Yes. Yeah. You there had to was, get a wiggle There on. was a time-sensitive sort of element in this. Uh... The timetable was something Dan and I talked a lot, a lot about while we were playing through these sessions. Was Oh, that's right, we did. I think we were both sort of a mind that didn't seem any way we could fit it all in the three days. And in the end, we didn't really, because there was uh, some loosey-goosiness with the timeline and who was napping and who was out doing last-minute things before the big denouement. When we got the trial pushed back, and at least one day, we got it pushed back a couple of hours. Yeah, that's true. We did. But yeah, but that I think for the but most part, that was pretty much it the... It did uh, mostly work out. It yeah. does. It did seem to me that I did learn uh, through the course of this adventure that really Sir Horace's calling is, is really more of a cheap, opportunistic lawyer than, <laughs> than anything else. He really was yeah. the, the shining star of the junior defense sort of, a, sort of an oily rum pole. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty good. It turns out there really isn't much of a bar... Yeah. Clearly not. They just accept. I own a wig. Clearly, I must be. The Ustalavian justice procedures are a bit haphazard. It's mm-hmm. true. But they allowed us to do our thing. So, you know, we went we went north into the swamp. What can you expect yes, from these Palatinates, of, uh, eh? I don't know what you're talking about, Speaking Dan. of go forward, you guys did, in fact, head north, mostly northeast, to the small, quiet, quaint town of Morast. I love those guys. By quiet and quaint, you mean inbred and suspicious of outsiders? Yeah, that place. There maybe were some stereotypes that came into play around now. Maybe. We used to lock in Benjo. Yeah. I love good Pickle Joe music. Yeah. It's inexplicably written into the module as a slice of caricature of the American Deep South in the middle of what's supposed to be Transylvania. I'm not sure how that happened. Yeah, it's like... <laughs> Transylvozarks. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's like, the, yeah, it's the Transozarks all of a sudden. Yeah. Yep. And it's time for trans deliverance. Meeting, meeting Lazine. Lazine doesn't much like city folk and foreigners, by which he means anyone not from Morast or to a lesser extent from Libidstadt. And his starting attitude is unfriendly. <laughs> I feel like you're, you really <laughs> bit into that role. We Hunter. cheered that guy up you, so much. You though. just I, ran with that. Yeah, that was kind of what bad. What was their deal? What was the? They were jerks. <laughs> yes, but why? What? They were people grave robbing. What was? Yeah, yeah. There was grave robbing going on in the swamp because, of yeah. course, you want the bodies that are in really humid soil that's wet all the time. We fought a manacore. That was fun. That was that was a real. We that was a blast. jumped in and out of some graves. We found a campsite with some stuff that we added to our evidence bin. We found a face in a bag. Yep, face in a bag. An actual face in an actual bag. So with that information, they went back, and then the very next day, Horace Gunderson, Gordon Gunderson, complete with wig and... Appeared in the court. Because <laughs> he ran out to the tailor, as I recall. Well, yeah. to, uh, we took a look they, wherever at, they got that stuff. We took a yeah. look at the other lawyer, said, all right, how good is his? Let's buy the next quality level up. <laughs> exactly. I, uh, Horace outspent the other lawyer on the clothing, which I think ran me about 200 gold pieces or something. That wasn't ridiculous. Went back to the court and then, you know, smooth-talked everybody. Mm-hmm. I, I think the court was confused, not having been 
used to that level of uh, having been prepared for Gustav Koppel. I'm just be a backwoods country fighter. <laughs> <laughs> fighter lawyer. Fighter lawyer. I think they weren't prepared for that level of smarm in Usala. It's not really something they have in their local setup. So the next aspect of the uh, of the case was to go to the city, the small little town of Herstag. Herstag. Corn town. Yep. Ah, uh, yes. Yep. We did some proper detectivating in Herstag to figure out where children had been taken from and whether or not mm-hmm. the beast could have even fit in the houses. And and he couldn't. We made someone. You know, fail some will, will saves and use the planchette and bleed from their die walls again. Yes, because we had a uh, spirit board for talking with the dead. I believe that was you. At that point, yeah, I think it was. Because I think you had the best will save at the time, and I was like, well, it makes sense to make him do it. Mm-hmm. Yep. I had, uh, my character had lost his initial aversion to uh, trafficking with the dead. We saw was... little ghost children running around and... Mm-hmm. Yep. Is where we started to get a sense of Andrus's impetuous nature because I think he ran off first after the figure. Yes, there was there was one. This and was the fun. first sign of Andrus's behavior was, to come. Oh God, this was great. Yeah. The creepy little undead ghost child came walking out of a cornstalk and like Corn laughing. Cornfield, Corn yes. Yeah, one, one stalk in the middle of a field is a strange thing. <laughs> there's a child hiding behind one cornstalk. You know, there's a harvest going on. Anyway. Um, I missed that stalk. Yes, so then Andrus decided to approach this child, so she turned around and started running into the cornfield, and he blindly chased after her right into a bear trap. Yes. Yes. It slammed around his leg. <laughs> the bear trap. Because the people of Herstog sprinkled bear traps through their cornfields. <laughs> you really Sounds do not want the har- harvest to be stolen by a new Slavian corn bear. No. Yep. But we dealt with that. We followed some more ghosts. We heard some ghostly singing near the chapel. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Um, the chapel was strangely... Uh, glowy. Glowy and blessed, as I recall. Yep. Yes. And then Solace's boyfriend <laughs> came onto the scene. <laughs> yeah, then, then, then we met Orison. You guys Orison, slammed open the doors to And it was Orison. love at first sight. <laughs> Orison was taken aback. <laughs> Orison was taken aback mostly at the fact that there was some sort of bizarre undead child figure floating about 15 feet off the top of the altar. That would probably he was, be he was staring. Concern. He was staring up at her when you guys came in, and he's like, is this one of yours? And I think that was... We all yeah. banded together, and we fought some stuff. Yep. And so, with Orson's help, we tracked down so-called Brother Swarm to its mm-hmm. lair. And de-swarmed him. De-swarmed him. Unswarmed him. That was the first time I ever got to cast haste. It was very exciting. That was very exciting, and that's why it's one of the single greatest spells ever created. It's a very useful spell. That went very quickly, surprisingly. It went really fast. Well, I think Orison had a lot to do with that, because it was the first time we had like a full-fledged cleric. We had an actual cleric to deal with undead. That was my other concern with this, when, when we were going up, when you guys were going up against Brother Swarm and Six Wraith Spawn. I'm like, I don't know if... PCs are equipped for this, so I'm just going to go ahead and throw in a little DM PC. And I did, and I know that, you know, the primary tenant of DMing is never, ever, ever, under any circumstances, ever create a DM PC, ever, because you'll essentially just turn it into a Mary Sue. I figured it would be but if good. if your party has no holy magic, really... Uh... So, I would, I would just like to point out that all he did was cast Bless, he put magic weapon on people's weapons that wanted it, and I think he did he threw a bunch a star of healing. Knife at things. 
And then, yes, he, like, threw a star knife. I think we would have won without him, but it might have been a much more difficult fight. I I know that you guys would have won without him. And I would not have found true love. I would not have. I was concerned about it. He's become part of the culture of this campaign. Yeah. Let's go back to Leopardstadt. We know what Solace is going to be doing. (laughs) (laughs) I'll just pop over to the Temple of Desna. And we found the desiccated bodies of the vanished children. Yes. Brother Swarm's hideout. So we yeah, brought weird. those back after much debate to court with us. Yeah, we were, yes. which caused quite a scandal, but it was integral evidence. So yeah, we deba- I, I, How long did we debate whether that was a good? Quite whether some time. Yeah, you guys had to go into the judges' quarters. We tried to get the court to um, admit them in closed session so mm-hmm. that it wouldn't shock the crowd. But apparently in Leopardstadt, it's everybody or nothing. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's right. You guys were pushing for that, and the prosecutor decided it would, he would force the issue. And yeah, he was a jerk. Because apparently it's the one firm point in, in the Ustalavian legal code. Yes. <laughs> well, that was that was the one that he managed to argue better than you guys did, which was which was good, because the mounting, the mounting angry mob scenario continues to play throughout this entire module until it finally comes to a boiling point. But Andrus was the one who was sitting in the um gallery. The gallery and like listening to people sitting next to him like seething with rage and like they after, were really the After the trial that day I put my big fuzzy hat on and snuck into a pub to listen to local gossip mm-hmm. to see how likely they were to try to burn the courthouse to the ground. <laughs> Moderately likely. Moderately, yes. Yeah. So we found more evidence, and we brought it back to court. And but that know. wasn't enough, because no. uh, at that point, I think the timeline was we. It was the night before the final session of the trial, and we we're like, we can squeeze in one more thing. Yep. Yeah. One more thing. Work stacking grind. Like you, oh, Solace right. took a nap, and then yes, I took a nap early that early the next morning. Yeah, you guys left at like two or three on. in the morning. Yep. The um. But at this point, I think we thought they had something to do with it. You did. Because of the stuff we found at that place. You found papers burned mostly right. beyond recognition. However, you could de- decipher the They're words Vorkstag and Grind's uh, chimeric works. Mm-hmm. So that plus the trail from the surgical tools plus the annoyance of the gnome who had shouted at us mm-hmm. led us to believe that breaking in would be great. Yeah, there was a certain yeah, level of more than enough proof. Player revenge. Yeah. It's so true. we went in through the sewers. Yep, and through the sewers, you guys got through to the back, the the dark, seedy underbelly of Workstag and Grinds, and then you guys found a room full of corpses. A, a yep. room full of water, so basically an underground chilled pool yep. with 25 bodies floating in it. Seems like an odd decision on the Workstag and uh, Grind <laughs> operation, but hey! So it yep. appears they are up to illegal flesh trading business. That was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun describing that room. Oh, it that was creepy. Was... <laughs> it was a creepy, creepy room. And I think the best part about it was the fact that they closed the doors and there's a couple zombies in that room who decide to get up and follow the PCs out. So what they're doing is that they're opening up the other doors and they see a bunch of bizarre uh, mongrel men in the other room, and that's when, like, the doors from the floating pool room creak open and, like, wet, dripping, watery fingers wrap around the door handle. Yeah, that was a, uh, the coming out from all sides. Those were, uh, juju zombies. They were juju zombies. Slightly tougher. Vicious. We killed them. Mm -hmm. Yes. But it was a little tougher than your average zombie, for certain. 
And we plunged on through the the, uh, the, the alchemical works, yep. uh, fought mongrel men, got into what was possibly still the most tactically involved yeah. combat oh of this God. entire the campaign main, to yeah. date. The main room. Huge tanks. It was like a three-story room with catwalks and balconies and huge vats of every, acid and bleach. Every ace chemical factory you've ever seen in a Batman comic or a mm-hmm. Batman movie. And yep, Andrews that's... fell in at least three different tanks. <laughs> oh. No, he only fell in one tank. <laughs> Fortunately, he made his reflex save so his eyes weren't melted out. Yeah, he wasn't permanently blinded or anything like I that. just like that he rocketed to the bottom of the tank because he was in metal armor. Mm-hmm. Yep. Give me a swim check. I don't have any points in that. Well, <laughs> this is going to go you really You can always badly. try. <laughs> what a swamp ranger. We ended up spread yeah. out all over the place. Some of us upstairs. I was upstairs mm-hmm. hiding from combat largely, I think. Mm-hmm. And finding new ones of your own. And finding yeah. new yes. ones, because so if there's awesome. one thing this campaign loves, it's having trapdoors with actual traps in them. Yep. Also, striking out on your own. Lots of trapdoors. Yeah, yeah, I learned my lesson from that one. Don't do it again. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't split the party. I ended up up um, in a tower being chewed to death by homunculi while the rest... Snap jaw homunculi oh, with God, giant sharp... Fang they were very irritating. And it turns out the gnome is only wearing a gnome skin suit. Yep. And not a gnome. Vorkstag is also not a human. He's got a whole closet full of skin suits. We're chasing them around. They're bouncing off the walls. I've been mm-hmm. out of acid tanks. That yep. took forever. Brian has got spider climb on. He's scampering around the tanks. He's got a bunch of poisoned hatchets. He's like throwing hatchets and into this is, people. This is one of the places where Pathfinder can really get bogged down and or fall apart because it's difficult terrains. There's different levels. Mm-hmm. There were poisons and poison effects. There were mischances for some things. There was a, an atmospheric effect yep. of some kind. Constant balance checks. If Constant you're balance these. checks, mm-hmm. fortitude checks to see if you're being poisoned to death by the air in this place. Yep. Yep. And so every turn, every round <laughs> was like 20 minutes long as you worked your way through all the conditions that applied to you. And yep. I was quite tired of it by the end of the that fight. Is, that is a difficulty with D&D in general and counting Pathfinder as a D&D thing. There can be a lot of stuff going on. You have to roll a lot of dice sometimes. Mm-hmm. It's true. We're just keeping track of it all. We then, I think it was after this that we invested in the condition cards, which yes, has helped. Yes, the condition cards from Pathfinder. Yeah, oh, th- that decision came from this fight? More or less. But, I mean, we knew that it was going to come up more and more as it progressed on. So yeah. You'll have quick and easy access to whatever it was you were trying to circumvent yeah. at the time. Yeah. Condition cards are handy. Paizo, you might want to, you know, write out the rest of those conditions. Yeah, the, the condition cards are only like 12 out of 15 conditions. The yeah. other three who needs them. <laughs> they skip the ones that don't come up that much, which, of course, they then come up. Yeah, yeah of course. I but, believe uh, in this module, in fact, when my armor got broken. We were eventually yes. victorious and yeah. foolishly, perhaps, Against we the Dark Stalker and the Dark Creeper. Mm-hmm. Grime and we took, is a Dark Creeper. Yeah, we, we killed Vorkstag. We killed Vorkstag, but we took Grinds alive. Yep. Um, and then, foolishly perhaps, we decided to make our way out through the front door. Well, being going back the way that we came. Yes, that was... Being classic players, we were like, we have to finish this yeah. this this complex. We have to have explored yep. every nook and cranny and claimed everything here that is ours to take by right of being players. <laughs> that <laughs> of is PC correct. Of conquest. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so we open the door to the front yard. Oh Turns my. out, you know, the thing that sent Grip screaming into the night is still there. Yes, yeah. that would be the flesh the golem, golem hound. Yeah. A uh, guard dog of sorts. And, you know, it's With pretty vicious. A tremendous amount Moderately. of hit points. 
a decent AC. Well, yeah, for you guys, fifth level AC, yeah. High AC, tons high of AC, hit points, damage reduction. None of us had adamantine weapons. I suspect that the existence of the dog is to force you to go into the sewers. Quite possibly. We thought, hey, well, we can we can take this. Aha. Um, that was unfortunate. We worked around it, but not before something terrible happened. Yes, unfortunately, in the fight with the uh, flesh golem hound, um, Sir Horace Gunderson did meet his end, and he died. And the rest of us ran away. It was a noble sacrifice. Fled. Fled. I even turned myself invisible to flee more effectively. <laughs> Sir Horace's friends then left his dead body there and ran away. No, yes, they didn't. They dragged him back. I oh, remember Did that. you grab the body then? I thought you got the body when you yep. were back. That's Solis, in my notes. Solis, Solis turned invisible and then... Oh, right, 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 right. My friends then made my body invisible and hauled it away. No, it wasn't invisible. <laughs> it was just was a floating body. And he, you were oh, a floating you body. You did it before the uh, grab. Ah, well, that's okay then. Floating body's all right. Mm-hmm. I think you were using Gia to distract the yes, flesh Gia, golem. That was the first time Gia sacrificed herself as well. Since Gia can take a considerable amount of damage if I funnel her hit points... But eventually, it's more efficient to just let her get desummoned. I can't bring her back for a day, but she'll come back with more hit points that mm-hmm. way. Actually, this is sort of the beginning of your um, of Solace's. I'm not, I don't want to say decreasing attachment, but more willingness to use Gia tactically like that. Mm-hmm. It was also we had reached sort of the tipping point where she was becoming less effective compared to other things I could summon. So I was having access to higher levels of summon monster and more quantities of creatures, and she doesn't progress at the same rate as a player character does. No. So she has a lot more dead levels. So she started to become not as effective as the group instead of winning at everything the way she did for our first several encounters. Which, as, as a player, I was starting to appreciate at the time. It was like, oh, I can actually compete with Gia in a perception role. Toby's yes. like, it takes three rounds to kill a creature? Preposterous! <laughs> Turn my back on you, Gia. <laughs> Get me a rhino! Yeah, right. Yes, the rhinos came, came Rhinos later. are nice. I like rhinos. Rhinos are fun. But I think we barely had time to drop Horus off. In a, I don't think we had time to drop Horus off in a mortuary. We dropped Horus in a heap at... Judge Jeremy's house, I think, he said, postpone the trial. Yes. Work tags must be investigated. Also, there's a flesh golem hound that the city might want to take care of. I think we just sort of pinged it from the wall. Yeah, yeah we they, all they just shot we got it. a group of the city guard and we all climbed up on the walls yeah. and shot it with arrows. I made successful knowledge local checks and recognized some of the skin suits hanging in that was fun Pork too. Sag's yeah. closet, which was a horrifying uh, experience. That was yeah. grim. Yeah. I mean, just the fact that we Something about the closet, I think, set off Solace, and it was like, something awful is in the closet. Now we have to find out what it is, and by that I mean Solace found out. Yeah. Yeah. And then we won the trial. Mm -hmm. After getting our postponement and getting grinded, confess. Yes, that helped. And then the mob tried to eat us. Was that the order of events? Um, Or was the mob... I think think it must have gotten postponed... I guess I think it got postponed one day, and then the mob showed up that night, the night before the verdict was read. The mob yes. had also been to the twenty foot ladder emporium. Yep, that guy got a lot of business. He did. And in this, I think, I think this, uh, this whole um, defending the the courthouse against the angry mob that beset it with ladders and battering rams is where angry pickle farmers came up for the first time. I think yep. it is. Which led to one of the best running jokes in Carrying Crown Unstoppable, kind of tedious pickle jokes. They're not tedious, they're, they're amazing. They're not tedious at all. Uh, I've heard you make them. 
He can't beat him. The only thing we're waiting on is a Knight of the Gherkin Prestige class, I believe. Between the death of Horus, obviously, and the introduction of going back to court and doing stuff, I made my new character. Yep. Uh, and brought Where in... Where did we meet Oberon? I, at the courthouse. Oh, okay. we, he, the first One of the first things Oberon did was interview Grind. Ah, yes. that's what it was. Yeah. I was down there talking to Grind. Because I'm Oberon is a paladin of Sauron Ray who is interested in redemption. Mm-hmm. Grind was not interested in... Redemption. Redemption for some <laughs> odd reason. Um, since you'd think he, was, he might be somewhat interested because it might reduce his sentence. But... He was in a catatonic shock at that point. Yeah, well, you know. Dark creepers worship dark stalkers almost as gods, and he just lost his. So, oh well, <laughs> he may have. He lost the one meaning in his life. He was not. so. Grind had nothing useful to say, but you ran into me. You ran into Oberon. Thank uh, you. We Oberon talked Crane down slash cuddled the, the mob. We got the beast freed, mm-hmm. and then suddenly the beast regains the ability to talk and invites us to go meet yeah, his dad. That. What does the book say about that? Doesn't say anything about well, that. I think the except beast, it gives you a uh, a nice little flavor text. The beast could reading. talk all along. He just was. I, I had the impression he was simply despondent and had become slightly catatonic. That's certainly yeah. I either. Certainly. I just don't get or why. Had insufficient free will, maybe. He was. He'd been imprisoned and he was sad. But if, if there's the hope of people who are interested in your freedom, wouldn't you perhaps open up a bit? Golems aren't necessarily crafty. Depression's not all. No, he's not crafty at all, which would make it even more surprising. He just doesn't say what's on his mind. So we Beyond trekked f- out with our invitations in hand to the Palooza. Yes, because the Golem had tromped off into the swamps after inviting us to his castle. Lost Karama. I thought for sure that was the end of the book. It was like, we, we have won the trial. Totally understandable. The ti- I mean, there was a lot of stuff that happened. The title of this module has been completed. Well, yeah. We are now going to move on to the... Oh, no, we're not. We're oh, going no. to... Oh, no. So much. I guess we could have not visited Count Karamark. That would have left us without our lead to the next book. Though. I know, but just think, bad. we wouldn't have had to go into his house. It's true. We, we, could have have to... <laughs> we could have found other adventures to do. Yep. This is the paladin saying this. Could have just let the guy die. <laughs> we didn't know he was alive. He was alive. Indeed. So yeah, we went to Schloss Karamark, yep. which was the home of the former count of this count, former county now Palatinate, uh, Alpon Karamark, yep. who is an annoying douchebag. But we talked to him for 30 seconds. Yeah, he really wasn't all that. Oh, no, he himself was personally quite polite. He but filled his house with his all His entire the personal history on display in his house was like, <laughs> this guy cares nothing for people who are not Alpon Carolmark. He doesn't have <laughs> a lot of visitors. He built it for well, himself. Well, he did that on purpose. He built his house overhanging a waterfall and stuffed it full of everything dangerous he could find. It's like Rivendell if Elrond was a serial killer. <laughs> Not just so, things he found, but things he made. Also, you know, a couple things showed up. I mean, there was trolls in the, the gatehouse area. Who were so cute. Oh, yeah, <laughs> he wasn't in charge of his house, either. They decided, yeah, that's true. He was uh, absent at the time. So the trolls decided to move into the gatehouse and settle up shop there with their trolls and their troll hounds and their little goblin assistants. Mm-hmm. Um, poor little goblins. Man, that was not... Life is not kind to goblins. <clears throat> Isn't... I think that was uh, that was where Crane decided he should remonstrate with the goblins. We managed to convince the goblins to not. Um... Well, they were deafened from the thunderstones. They're sitting there going, yeah. "Oh, that was so Quack! funny! You guys hurled Quack! you guys hurled thunderstones in the room, and then <laughs> the poor little goblin whose idea didn't have a chance was. of passing these saves. And the paladin's like, "We're here to rescue you. Tell us everything you know." And of course, all they hear is. <laughs> yeah, well, we waited for it to wear off. 
<laughs> but they did help us out. They, and they offered they us did. presents to not kill them, which oh, included, right. I believe, um, a worm, a bit of soggy chewed-on ribbon, yep. and a medallion of the Whispering Way. A medallion <laughs> of the Whispering Way. Mm-hmm. Saucy so at the worm. Did not! <laughs> we were irritated with his house, but he was not If he turned out to, he he turned out to be an evil jerk, we would have come. We would have taken all this stuff. Yeah, if we had to kill him at the end, we'd be like, "Well, walk back through, taking everything." Yeah, we absolutely had a list of things to take. Yep. Oh yes, yeah. taking the rest of this rosemary. <laughs> the man is clearly deranged, and that he built this house on a precipice over a waterfall and has all these walkways with no railings at well, all. Well, the thing about established old families is it may have just been on land, and then the river carved <laughs> its way over. It's a very old family. It is a very old family. There were many opportunities for us to fall to our deaths. Speaking of which, that would, that's the next building. Yes, fall to your death building. <laughs> you we took none of the Funny opportunities. Funny you should mention we, that. We, we forwent them. We did. That is true. We strove against them. So that was that. Then you guys went um, further up to Schloss Karamak Towers. There was, I think, I think the best room was the one... With, uh, which one was it? K8, the thing on the ceiling where you guys opened up the door, took a look around, looked up at the ceiling, saw the black pudding and said, nope, and closed the door. And, and we it. left. I'm not certain how well we would have done against the black pudding. They're immune to a lot of stuff. Could have been really ugly. I think we learned the, nope, the value nope, of discretion. Nope, 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 yep. Close the door. Nope. Don't need that XP that badly. And that's Could when I learned the glory of there. summoning piles of crocodiles. Yes, mm-hmm. fighting the the poor basilisk. Oh, that guy. Oh, the poor chance. basilisk. Ooh, yeah, got overwhelmed with crocodiles. And, and I laughed maniacally the through the yeah. end of the session. Yeah, it was pretty funny. Um, the group unfortunately stopped laughing once the third uh, flesh golem came so around. So many. A lot of flesh golems. Oh my god, so So many flesh golems. The final tower, the final tower, they could look up and they could see the beast of Lippishdot fighting with a giant flesh golem. Another bigger flesh golem. So this is the the aberrant. That was the aberrant Prometheus. Yeah, the aberrant Prometheus. White lightning's crackling overhead at the same time. Yeah, of course. Because the thunderstorm has been coming on them. Right, because Count Frankenstein. Oh, Calmark. Yes, uh, I remember pushing that. Count Frankenmark. And we find Count Caramark, and we discover his secret motivations for all of this, and we save his butt and the beast's butt, and it's all very tedious because we're so tired of golems. And none of us were smart enough to buy adamantine weapons. Mm-hmm. You guys ended up getting the, the coding. The, yeah. Oh, the Blanche. Yep. Weapon Blanche. Blanche. We found the Blanche, actually. It was just in a cupboard somewhere. Yep. They came in handy. That worked pretty well. And then, uh, so the Aberrant Promethean topples from the tower the and, and dies. Everyone and... shouts, hooray! Karamark <laughs> turns out to have been imprisoned by the Whispering Way, who yep. came in, trashed his house, Let all took his, his golem controller... Free. Use his golem controller to control his golem. There's a prize. I think. Yep. Right? To yeah. steal the... the they, yeah, to steal the possessed, effigy. He basically had, had a magic computer hat that would control right. golems. So he, they, they use his golem controlling device to, to force the beast, uh, who is the Count's most successful creation, in that he is sentient and free-willed. Yep. Um, at sentient, free-willed, and non-hostile, unlike the aberrant Promethean, who is the first two, but incredibly hostile. Yeah. So uh, he, they use that. They, they have the. That's how they got the beast to steal the effigy. Yep. And they took the effigy and left Count Carmack locked in some sort of weird torture box, mm-hmm. and uh, just left his beast wandering free. Left his stuff all smashed up because they're serious jerks. Mm-hmm. Um, so we basically fixed all that. 
We're... And then Caramark's homunculus Waxwood. Oh yeah, the little homunculus has been kind of keeping <clears throat> him alive somehow. Uh, yes, he was feeding him rainwater and bugs through the opening in the uh, Iron Maiden. So the uh, Waxwood overheard the cultists talking in hushed tones about the Shutterwood, the dark forest to the south and east. Caramark suspects that they might be headed for Askinor Lodge. Which they were. Mm-hmm. Which they were. And Caramark wants us to go chase him down and beat them up because he's pissed at them over the house, obviously. Yep. And we would be happy him, to chase these guys and down. And locking him in some sort of weird Iron Maiden. I understand his his anger. <laughs> uh, we we have saying. harsh words for him and his... Let's clarify this. Crane has harsh words. Yeah, Crane said a lot of terrible yeah. things to this guy who's essentially a victim. That is totally not true. <laughs> he's malnourished, been imprisoned in an Iron Maiden for who knows how long. Yep. For, as long as the beast's been uh, uh, imprisoned, at least. Yep. He had completely Doing poor all controls of... on all of his weird experiments. And he... Not a whole lot of safety features. Yeah, exactly. No, uh, his, his imprisonment's totally wrong, but he should have had a much better designed house. <laughs> where, you know, basilisks, golems, yeah, all kinds of weird terrible. garbage in this place. He really needs to tone that stuff down. Yep. Which Judge Jeremy promises that she will, she will keep an sure. eye on his yeah. behavior. Plus, he built the aberrant Promethean and apparently didn't do much about it. That is correct. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's a horrible death monster. You know, well, just want to say you don't this. you don't become a ruler of Ustalov. You don't get like your own by destroying your, your own planet all to yourself by not being crazy. Do you know? Do you know how he became ruler of this particular part of Ustalov? His father died. That was his only real qualification. Maybe his father was a crazy mad scientist. I don't know that dude. Probably. <laughs> I think it's a proud tradition given all the apparatus in that complex. Yeah. And he was doing all this work out of his intense grief for his poor wife. So. Who was floating in a tank about 15 yep. feet she away was while Crane was admonishing him. Yes, yeah, it, he, was a, it was a Victor Free scenario. It was. Yes. Yeah. He, apparently can't aff- he can apparently afford incredibly <laughs> complicated um, experiments, but not to pay. I would also like to point out that Saren Ray has a zero tolerance policy <laughs> yeah. regarding crazy scientists. <laughs> Maybe free- you could be redeemed, but until you acknowledge that redemption, boy, <laughs> you were getting yelled at. Apparently, anyway. the freedom to do anything does not include the freedom to experiment, progress, science, and alchemy. Sarah <laughs> is not a goddess of freedom. That's Caden uh, Kalian. Oh, true. I like him better, anyways. Um, so anyway, so that ale. so about the, the that last battle, you basically had you had two things against each other, neither of which was really a player. Because it was it was the beast against the uh, the Promethean. Yep. Weren't we somehow aiding the beast? We were supposed to use. I used actually because I was the only one to use magic device. Um, the magic golem control hat to assist it or something. That's. I know we waved a lot of this combat aside because we were all sick to death of golem combat. That's true. Mm-hmm. I also didn't really like the way that it played out. I. <clears throat> I'm a firm believer that under no circumstances whatsoever should PCs ever play second fiddle to an NPC. Yeah. So, it's, you know, it's a rule. So, one of the things in the book called for the PCs can gather around the Golem controlling device and power it and grant certain abilities to the beast while it's fighting. And it was just such an asinine concept that I'm like, I'll just have the beast and the Abra Promethean fighting at the top of the tower, and the PCs can just rush up there and and aid in the hell, like aid in the fight. Is the mm-hmm. thunderstorm supposed to contribute to the 
play out the as well? Thunderstorm was the thunderstorm was the lightning strikes. the The PCs were gathered around the device, but if the lightning strikes it, they had to make reflex saving throws or get hit by electricity. Oh. And it was this god awful convoluted mess, and I didn't want to deal with it because I thought it would be stupid. So the storm was so, mostly there for atmosphere. Yes. So there, so there was uh, an element of not deprotagonizing the protagonists. Yeah, I mean yeah. that's that's a given in Dungeons and Dragons is that the PC should never be overshadowed by anyone. I mean that's just a rule. You can't have an NPC. You can't have like a Dirk Daring character who swoops in at the last minute and some deus ex machina crap to like l allow the PCs to watch how awesome the NPC character is and yes you know, it's it's such an insulting concept that you really can't the first half of this book was some of my favorite stuff that we've done getting to investigate and give our results and present evidence that was really neat and then the second half of the last third, however it shakes out statistically, just sort of felt like, well, we need the PCs to be a certain level by the time they finish this book. Let's shove golems in until they reach it. <laughs> yes. Oh, wait a minute. We didn't do a dungeon call this time. Well, we can fix that. Yeah, it Count was... Count Mark's house is crazy pants. Woo! It, it really felt tacked on. Which, and, you know, I mean, I like a dungeon delve as much as the next guy, but it was like, I thought we were done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where where is our motivation for this fight? Fight, fight a faceless flesh golem. Now fight a now golem fight with a different four flesh arms, golem. and now go upstairs to the top of the tower and fight. Well, I think they probably now fight should tiny have flesh golems. Yes, is made the trial more complicated and you have more things you had to do for part of the trial. Now you have to go somewhere here, and there's a little dungeon here, maybe. That would have been like adding on to the sanctuary instead of just making the sanctuary. It yeah, was that was basement. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That, yeah. was, that was way faster than any of the other places. Yeah, we could have done they could have done things. a whole bunch of stuff with that. But they chose not to. So. Well, there's lobby. also the element of um, not quite replicating Harrowstone because it's sort of gone through a prison-slash-institution-like environment. That's true. That's true. You can't really have two books in a row that just sort I of... I guess that's true, yeah. But... Trial of the Beast, you know, Beast was really fun. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was The that Frankenstein was theme is alright, but there are other sort of constructed uh, monsters and constructs than just flesh golems. Flesh golem, flesh golem, flesh golem, flesh golem. Yeah, that's true, I suppose. It's all part of that hammer horror thing. Yeah. Yeah, so. yeah exactly. I, I think that they had to do Frankenstein. And in fact, I, the picture of Karamark kind of looks a little bit like Peter Cushing. That's right. We, we we were discussing recently where Peter Cushing had already appeared in this. Right. See? I mean, it's not quite the same, but it's the same kind of narrow face. Yeah, angular. Very angle. angular. <laughs> so Trial of the Beast was where I thought, to go off Toby's point, where things started gelling in a way where we were sort of building our, our campaign culture and references and in-jokes. Like the, the pickle... The pickle motif. Dang, yep. pickles. Ugh. Um, the... Uh, Solace's uh, roots in Lebenstadt turned out to be to sort of grow and expand and become more useful over time starting mm -hmm. here. Yep. Um, we started sort of making connections with uh, other people like Judge Deramid, who would return again, who were, who's introducing more, who introduces to two PCs when you think about it, because I think Crane came sort via Deramid as well. Well, you met him at the, uh, no, she mentioned him. And then you ran into him, I think, at the... Uh, right, he had already gotten there. At the uh, courthouse. And then I think he was just in the uh, audience when you guys did the last trial bit. Mm -hmm. I believe you're right. Yep. And then it was like, oh, if the 
mob is going to attack these folks, I will help defend them. Mm-hmm. And having the party stabilize a little bit in terms of players and characters, we sort of got our foundations for our various roles and play styles in place as well, too. Because we've, we've been pretty stable since then. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I I created Orasan for you guys to know. Yay! Who's not a Mary Sue DMPC, just want to put that out there. No, not at all. He's, he's, he is not... Uh, he hasn't really done much. No, he hasn't. That's, that's, well, on the, on the Mary Sue list, he's all he's done is, is boink one of the protagonists. Yep. And uh, the, the rest is... Allegedly. <laughs> I forget, when did the bees come into play? <laughs> oh, God, the bees joke that came up at some point during this book. Was it this book or the next one? I think that, it might have been the next that, one. That, that elves one. reproduce with cross-pollination, so obviously they all possess, you know, a little beehive. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll probably get into that more when we talk uh, about broken Pickle jokes and beehives. Future episode. This is what my game has come to. Yeah, we're supposed to be playing dark gothic horror, but instead we have pickle jokes and beehives. And none of us wore the hat. It's true, <laughs> none of us have a hat. Had, had anybody worn a witch hunter hat, this never would have happened. But Hunter puts up with us, and for that we're grateful. Yes. We want to have one last go around and share, you know, closing thoughts on Trial of the Beast. Dan? Well, as we discussed, the uh, I think the biggest thought is that, that that castle at the end just really wasn't very... Totally thematic for the Hammer Horror aspect, for the Frankenstein aspect, but it just felt... Uh, Not well integrated? Yeah. If that, if that had been brought back as a more... If we hadn't been sprung at the end, ah, we felt we freed the beast. The beast is free. The trial went in our way. Yes, and all of a sudden the beast is like, please to visit my father. If it had been something to build up to, now we must go to the plot is in another sense. castle. Yes, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. And and there was no good reason to visit it. Well, the beast is like, please come visit. And for some reason, like, all right, strange golem, we will visit you. Hopes for a reward or something. I don't know. Uh, there's some vague idea of that, I guess. We were junior justice defenders. We did it for justice. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, just us. <laughs> I love being a member of the Junior Justice Defense League of Lepistot, and the trial was cool. It was fun to actually get to use some of my character background, get a better handle on how to play Solus. Um, I was so happy to be done with Golems. I was just, I had it up to here with Golems, and I was ready to move on from that, but I think as a group it was a pretty good module for us. Wait till we get to the vampire golems later on. Mm-hmm. Don't give him ideas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, backloading the entire adventure with golems was a bit tired. Um, I really enjoyed Workstag and Grinds. I think that the atmosphere there was really good. I liked the bodies floating in the in the dark water. I really enjoyed the skin cabinet. I like the way Grind played out a lot. The creepy little gnome with like the stitched together face. Yeah, we definitely went home from that with me being afraid that unspeakable horrors were going to come out from under the bed and or in the closets. <laughs> it's good. It means I've been wearing job. the same clothes ever since. <laughs> <laughs> and you had a lot of fun with the um, the fight scene in the, in the factory because I remember there was a lot of jumping off planks oh, and that spider was crawling. The- yeah. It's a shame that Jeff couldn't couldn't tell his story, but there's there's a lesson to be learned in the oh I'll just use my weapon for a while okay well I'll just free action I'll just drop my weapon on the ground and um, Jeff's character Andrus had a habit of doing this repeatedly and the last time he did it was a time when he dropped his two handed greatsword on the floor 
and then was shooting a bow at Grind, and Grind climbed up around the ledges of the um, acid, the acid vats. So he climbed up the ladder and went across this tiny little wooden platform, and Grind is standing there with this, you know, maniacal grin on his face and a big bloody poisoned hatchet, and you know, beckons Andrus to come and walk along this tiny little narrow ledge where this giant acid vat is, you know, looming come beneath at me, them. Bro. Yeah, and uh, and Andrus grins back and reaches up for his two-handed sword and forgot that he dropped it, it was on the there. ground. And, and then he fell in a vat of acid. And then Grind threw an axe and hit him in the shoulder and knocked him off the ledge and into the acid vat. So, I guess really that's, I mean, that's really where I get one of my, you know, DM awards for knocking somebody into one of these vats. So I got an I got an achievement for that, I think. A little you know, Chivo pops up twenty five points. Acid bath. Additionally, Hor- Sir Horace Gunderson met his end. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But that kinda of worked I mean, out for was, everyone. It was alright. Yeah. I mean I'm making a character. Having a paladin is extremely handy. It is. And if he dies I'll make another new character. It'll be great. It'll be what happens. Thank you, everybody, for uh, this episode of Carnage Cast. It's always a joy and a treat. I hope to have you back in the future where we can talk about uh, the additional modules of Carrion Crown as we play through them. Yeah, maybe like one that's appearing in front of me now. But for now, uh, we're going to say thanks for being on the show and talking about Carrion Crown. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having us. You've been listening to Carnage Cast, a production of NNEG LLC. All rights reserved. For more information, visit us at www.carnagecon.com.